looking for a podcast about nothing, then you are definitely in the right spot. Join Ross Peterson and Mark Charter each week as they discuss life, current events, and the things you are not allowed to talk about at work. Okay, hang on, because here we go. This is Ross and Mark, Jump the Shark. Jump the Shark is sponsored by Charterhouse Real Estate. Charterhouse can help you save thousands when you sell, and we can help you buy your next home as well. Google Charterhouse to see hundreds of great reviews or learn more about us at charterhouseiowa.com. Now here is the show. Down in my plum. Crap, uh, Ross. What Ross, do you, just, you do? I just totally butchered that. What do you do? All right, shut up. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Perfect. I, I didn't have the volume turned up the first time. It's all right. This is, it's like it's my first podcast. Oh, man. Are we going to get into the heavy stuff today? Are we going to talk about what's happening in our uh, in our community? Well, the first thing we're going to talk about is wet dog smell. That's what we were just talking about, happy Ross. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday to you. It's got to be somebody's birthday, Whose right? birthday is it? We don't know. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. You can't listen to that song being a bad I know it. It's not impossible. Whoever's birthday it is, happy birthday to you. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that have started listening to this show, Mark. This is uh, the, the audience here on the, the Jump the Shark podcast is continuing to grow. People are telling their friends about it. Do you do impressions, by the way? Of what? anybody celebrities or whatever uh, i was no, doing I, a couple last night for my daughter and it made me wonder if you did impressions and that song specifically because it's the disney birthday song reminded me of oh, 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 oh boy oh uh, yeah oh, thanks for joining us everybody no on the jump the shark podcast so you can do mickey mouse after I this can't. is over we're gonna go hang out and have a beer okay and then you know who else is gonna be there hi everybody i'm elmo yeah I don't... elmo loves you Ross. <laughs> that's weird that's creepy. I can just jump from one to the... Oh, 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 I'm back, don't, everybody. Don't do oh, it. Don't, oh, no, no, no more. No, no Mickey's Stop. back. Stop. I killed Elmo. I don't want to talk to me. All right, what? Can you, you do, got, do you got any? I don't, man. Can you do Donald Duck? No. Donald Duck? You John can. Donald can. Duck, John? And it's supposed to be like... Never. I had, a, I had a friend growing up that could do Donald Duck great. Yeah. I can do uh, Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. No, man, I was never big on impressions. I never really... I'll be honest, I've never thought that that was a, a real talent. Like, Rich Little, to me, You don't is, think it's talented what I just did, hopping from Mickey to Elmo? Screw you, Ross. No, I think... Screw I mean, you. That's way to go. I, I don't think it's an act you should take on the road. I mean, kids love it. Kids love... Well, there used to be a dude that worked down at the Spaghetti Works. He was, like, the host. Yeah. And he would do the... He could do the perfect Donald Duck voice. And so every time you'd go in with your kids, he would talk to your kids like he was Donald Duck. Anyway, but I can't. No, I, I'm not. I'm not good with impressions. None. I don't know. It, like I don't know. I think I could probably do some. I mean, I've got I, I've got a pretty good range in my voice. I've got a pretty good ear for things. Yeah. I think I could probably pull a few off, but I do, I've never practiced it. I'm so glad that Jim Carrey decided not to be Rich Little because you know when Jim Carrey first started that his thing was impressions. He was, was going to be an impressionist and he was going to start. 
his own show in Vegas and do impressions. Can you imagine what we'd have been robbed There's impressions from? sometimes that come and go. Like sometimes you get them pretty pretty well, and then other times you can't find it. It's it's all about finding it. Like uh, uh, occasionally, like a Kermit the Frog one would be. You know, someday we'll find. You know, like you can. You got to have oh, certain I can do, things. I can do Kermit. Like for me to uh, get hi ho, a Kermity frog here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so see, I got that one. one. So so, but for me, it's like uh, you got to get. It's almost like a phrase, like get you into it. Yeah. Right. It's hard to like just start talking like Mickey. For Mickey, it's like ha ha ha. You know, <laughs> yes. that, that's where I got to go. Right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh boy. Okay. I'll tell you where my Kermit comes from. My yep. buddy Josh Alton, that was a stand-up comedian, is a stand-up comedian. Worked for Second City for a long time. Um, brilliant guy, brilliant comedian. When he was first starting and doing doing like open mic nights around Des Moines, there was a dude in Des Moines named Scotty B. Mm-hmm. And Scotty B was uh, he was a local stand-up comic trying to make his way. And he did a bit, and it was uh, Kermit the Frog's Top 10 Reasons Chicks Dig Me. Okay. And it would be a, uh, hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. Uh, the the uh, top 10 reasons chicks dig me. Uh, number 10, uh, my fast, rapid movements. Uh, n- number, number nine, it tastes like chicken. Uh, oh. num- number eight, my big green weenie. Uh, <laughs> so I can remember, I'm more, so, so, my impression. So you, you can do it. Impression. My impression is an, an impression of Scotty B doing his bit. That's I've, really I've, what I'm doing. Now. Well, do you ever hear, like, uh, SNL is known for this, too. There's people out there that will do impressions that don't sound anything like the guy. Oh, yeah. They become, like, caricatures of the, of the impression. Well, quite frankly, Jim Carrey's thing last weekend of Joe Biden. Not very sounded, good. No. Like, another one, Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey doesn't really sound right. like Harry Carey, necessarily. Right. And the Harry Carey impersonations like, that you hear now. over the top. Yeah, the Harry Carey impersonations you hear now are people impersonating... Will Ferrell impersonating. Kind of like I was just doing yeah, yeah, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like certain phrases that maybe they don't say a lot. Like Barack Obama was always like, look. Look. Yeah. You know, it's like just even a word, like a, a pause. Two things that SNL was were, were responsible for that are popular parts of our political lexicon. One of them is uh, George Bush. Wouldn't be prudent. Yeah. Not at this juncture. George Bush never said those words. Yep. That was Dana yep. Carvey that yep. said that. The other one is... Sarah Palin. I can see Russia from my house. Yeah. Sarah Palin never said that. Never said it. It was Tina Fey who said that as Sarah Palin, and that's still today. People are like, oh, the governor of Alaska thinks he can see the- I like <laughs> I'm an idiot. So Will Ferrell did uh, George W. Bush yeah. as well. And I remember the bit that came out. I don't even remember the news story. But the, the bit was along the lines of... <laughs> Yeah, apparently I own a lumber yard. I made $94 last year. <laughs> you know, it's like, apparently you own some lumber yard that was a news story at some point. <laughs> I made $94 last year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't remember what the damn story was, but I remember that being like made fun of. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> apparently I own, I own a lumber yard. <laughs> oh man. I like good impressions. I dig it. I, there are some people that are great at them. You know, Denzel Washington is a guy that gets impersonated a lot. Um, well, remember the SNL you know, dude, Jay Farrow? Everybody does. I don't do a Walken, but everybody se- that does yeah. impressions seems to do a Christopher Walken because he has such a cadence yeah. to his voice. I never tried to get that one down, but he is uh, super, Chris- super impersonated. For Christopher Walken, to me, the thing that 
uh, will always hear is the speech that he gives the little boy in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, I thought he carried the watch up his this, ass. Uh, this damn watch it gave yeah. your father dysentery. Yeah, you see, you <laughs> gotta, you're not bad for right off the cuff there. That see, was that's right. that, but that's the thing, Mark. I can only do this stuff. It, it, I, I'm a firm believer, man. People hear me talk about this and they think that it's an excuse for laziness or procrastination or whatever. I am a big believer in conceptual brilliance. The, the best thing that I'm going to say or do is going to be the first thing that I say and do. The okay. more I work on it, the more I tweak it, the You're worse. You're a take one actor. Yeah, the worse it gets. If, if I were a painter, and there are, there are famous painters that do both of these things. One is the Bob Ross method. You're painting along and all of a sudden, whoops, brush hit the wrong part of the canvas. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? Now that's part of the canvas and we're going to make it work. That becomes a tree. It becomes a tree and you just work around it. There are Picassos where that brush stroke is an eighth of an inch off of where they wanted it. That canvas gets burned and you yeah. start from scratch. I've worked with guys, Chad Lystico from the Des Moines Register, Keith Murphy from WHO TV. They are those Picasso guys. They are the ones that they work on an idea and they work on it and they refine it and they refine it. And every time they go back and touch it, it gets better. That's I'm that I'm not that guy. You're not man. that guy. I'm not that dude. So like if you if you would have said before we started, Ross, I want you to do a Christopher Walken impersonation and a Kermit the Frog impersonation, they would have been awful. I promise you, they'd have been horrible. I'd have overthought it, overanalyzed it, and it would have came out brutal. But if you just say that stuff and it can kind of fly out, I'm a, I'm in a much better spot somehow. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Picasso. That was making me think of a story that I'd heard anecdotally. I heard it in a movie once, so I was actually looking up to see if it's true, but um, as, the, as the story goes, and there's a few of these stories that float around there, but a group of diners are uh, in a restaurant eating a large meal, and the time for the bill comes out, and suddenly it's like, I thought you were the one that instigated the dinner, invited everybody. No, no, I thought it was you, you know, and like, people are like, I don't have a wallet. Like, who's going to pay for the dinner? You know, fingers are flying around, allegations, all of that stuff. And then a guy sitting at a table nearby signals the waiter to come over and takes a napkin and writes something on the napkin and hands it to him. And, and uh, the waiter comes back and says, your bill's been paid for. And they ask the question, well, who was that guy? You know, what did they do? Well, the guy at the table next door is Pablo Picasso. He had just drawn a picture on a napkin and signed it, handed it to him, pay the bill. Mm -hmm. So there's, ver there's variations of that story. Another one says uh, it, the manager had, had asked Picasso, like, would you do a drawing for the restaurant in a, in a situation like that? And the reply by Picasso was, I want to pay the bill, not buy the restaurant kind of a thing. You know? <laughs> it's like, so like some of these stories, you're like, whether there's truth to them or not, they make good stories, yeah. but then you're like, man, is this actually true or not? We were talking about yesterday, we like to give recommendations out on for, for things to watch for people. I stumbled on uh, a series, of, a four-part series on Netflix, uh, The Movies We Love. Is that what it was called? Yeah, The Movies That Made Us. The, movie, the Movies That Made Us. I think I'm going to look it up real quick. I think it's called The Movies. One, one of the two. So it's a four-part yeah. series that details how uh, the movie Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, Die Hard and Ghostbusters came to be made. And this is interesting from who wrote the script to how they got the director to uh, where it was shot to the problems that came up along the way to who was going to finance the film to initial reactions of the film. Um, 
as an example, it's the little things you learn too. I did not know this, Ross. And I sent this to our text group the other day because I would have thought first time I watched Die Hard or we've watched Die Hard a hundred times, yeah. right? I would have thought Alan Rickman, who plays Hans Gruber, yeah, I mean, at the time would have been like in his 50th movie yeah. or something. This guy is an established actor, clearly. Had to, had to be. First movie. That's incredible. First movie. And, and not, and, and not like only was huge, it a first movie. Huge role to land in your first movie. Not only was it his first movie, but at the same time, you're thinking, okay, Bruce Willis, in our heads we're thinking action star, right? Bruce Willis was not that guy when they hired him. In fact, Bruce Willis, they paid him $5 million for that movie, which made him the highest paid actor at the time. He had not done any movies like that. He had done Blind Date and some other piece of crap. Uh, he was in the show Moonlight. He was hired off that? of Moonlight. Yeah, he was hired on off the show Moonlight. That where he was script like a- went out to everybody that you could think of. The Clint Eastwoods of the world, everybody turned that down, and they hired Bruce Willis. And his agent at the time, who obviously did a very good job, said he'll take the role of five million bucks, and they agreed to it. But that was really his first his first action movie of any type was Die Hard. This is that's incredible to think about. And I just pulled up his uh, uh, his filmography here because I not, just wanted to see exactly because the guy's been in a lot of great movies. Okay, he'd been in a few TV movies. He'd been in T- actor. TV, yes, oh, yeah. but he was mostly stage. Yep. And then 1988, he lands the role of Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Since then, because after that, things kind of take off for him. He was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yep. I remember him in the show movie Bob Roberts. Remember that one about the uh, where Tim Robbins plays the the, the president? Uh, I don't remember that one. Sense and Sensibility. Michael Collins. Uh, Dogma. He, Galaxy Quest. Uh, Galaxy Quest is a fun movie, too. Dude, this guy... He hit home runs. He was in Harry Potter, The Sorcerer's Stone. He yep. was in The Chamber of Secrets. He's in Prisoner of Azkaban. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Goblet of Fire, another Harry Potter. The Order of the Phoenix. Is he in all the Harry Potters? Yeah. I think so. Half-Blood Prince. I mean, at any point, though, like that's one of those things where someone says, you know, na- name, uh, name Alan Rickman's uh, first movie. Nobody's coming up with Die Hard, dude. No. Because a guy I, at that point's in his 40s at yeah, least. Yeah, you'd assumed he was in some sort of British production at some point. I mean, yeah. He, yeah he, first of all, he's a fantastic actor. When you watch that movie, you wouldn't walk away from it and go, you know, that Rickman guy might have a future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, that's, that is a shock. And, and another is, anecdotal story from that same movie, or the I, same show. Same I must show. not have seen the Die Hard one, Mark, because I, I remember the details of the others. So they were struggling on how to get the protagonist and antagonist together in the movie, right? Because all their, the, the, the Bruce Willis character and Alan Rickman character and Die Hard are talking to each other via walkie-talkie. And they're like, how do we get them together in a, in a scene? And they were really, really, really struggling with this. And the solution came to them. They were eating lunch one day, and somebody happened to ask Alan Rickman, do you do an American accent? A lot of British um, actors do American accents. He said, not really, but I do a California accent. And he did it at lunch, and everyone starts laughing. So then the screenwriter goes, that's what we're going to do. Because in the movie, all he's hearing is this German accent via the walkie-talkie. If you remember the scene where they meet up, he pulls a gun on him, and he pulls out this essentially California accent, which would have worked in the premise of the movie because he's thinking the guy's German. Now, this guy just lays eyes on for the first time, sounds like, Clay, you know, Bill Clay. Yeah. That, that's what he says his name is. So that's 
that lunch incident with him doing that accent is what led them to write that particular that's scene. Terrific. See, and the other th- cool thing, like you, I, that's why I love documentaries about how movies are made. That was filmed at the uh, Fox um, Tower in L.A. And at the time, I think the building was being built and the top floors and the bottom floors were not uh, in use at that point. They were actually being worked on or built. So they, they filmed the movie there, but all the films in be- or all the floors in between were um, occupied. Lawyers' offices and stuff like that. So they said they had a lot of lawyer complaints when they were doing gunshots, you know, before before 5 p.m. <laughs> yeah, right. They didn't particularly like that. I, I had to look it up. The Nakatomi Nakatomi Tower. Nakatomi Tower, yep. Yeah, okay. Definitely not called that So in real life. This series that is on Netflix, it has, uh, I believe, four different episodes because I, I, I did pull it, does. it up here yep. earlier. Yep. The ones that I can remember seeing were uh, Home Alone. Oh, uh, uh, dancing. Dance, dirty dancing. Dirt, God, how did I not think of that? Dirty yep. dancing. Yep. And then the third one's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I remember the least about Ghost must, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I remember the Home Alone and the and the um, Dirty Dancing ones pretty well. Yep. The Home Alone one is fascinating because as... How close it was to not getting made. That's the thing. The that, that thing. That movie is like the definition of a blockbuster. It comes down to it almost didn't get made over 1.2 million bucks. There was a number that you'd see if you watch these episodes. One point two million dollars was the squabble point, and it basically got got booted, and then obviously picked up because we've yeah. seen the movie. But for one point two million, it got basically tossed and ended up being one of the most successful movies of all time. Yeah, at least uh, up to that era. They, the, and the home was built in a high school gymnasium. The yep. home that they ended up flooded was built in the high school's pool, swimming pool. Um, yes, all the interiors, the exterior of the house is real. It's a real house yep. uh, in Chicago, or sh- Chicago. Yeah, suburbs. I'd encourage people to go. Ch- that's a fun series to check out. The movies that made it. If you like behind that, the scenes, I love behind well, the scenes. And stuff. I think there's something with your age too, Mark, that you and I are both around 40. Anybody that's between like 35 and 45, yeah. these were, these were important movies in your life, man. Home Alone and Die Hard and Ghostbusters and Dirty Dancing. Those were movies. Ghostbusters, that- by the way, as you watch clips of that had, Terrible, horrible special effects. If you watch that movie now, nineteen eighty something. I know, I know, but man, talk about how far we've come. I mean, just terrible. Where they kind of like, and they were in a super huge hurry to get that movie out into the theater. They had a deadline, so there's some scenes in there where they're like, "Mm, "Good enough." (laughs) It was, it was quick. Like we're not going to dwell on this shot because it's quick. The other thing too, uh, an anecdote from Die Hard, because I know a lot of people won't watch this. Uh, and the and the decisions they make, they they were dwelling on how to how would the the terrorists escape right? And in the movie, you see an ambulance come out of the back of a truck. Okay, so they're going to get in the ambulance and act like EMTs. Basically, is how they're actually going to get out of the building. There's a scene earlier in the movie that they shot. So they shot the scene where the truck pulls up to the building and pulls into the parking garage, and the back door opens up, and all the terrorists come out. Right, or robbers or terrorists or whatever. And there's no ambulance in that truck because they hadn't written the ending yet. So then they write the, okay, we're going to put an ambulance in the back of the truck. And then you see that shot where the ambulance comes down the ramp out of the back of the truck. And someone goes, wait a minute. We got an earlier shot in here where they're in the truck and you can clearly see there's no ambulance. And the director's response was, nah, they're not going to remember two hours earlier there's no ambulance in the truck. So they just let it go. And that stuff happens in happens films. Happens in continuity all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, I let people watch them, man. Those are those are fun things. The one thing with the Ghostbusters that was kind of uh, 
shocking was how the movie got rewritten based on a single line because um, the the black guy that is in Ghostbusters, Ernie Hudson, he was supposed to be a much bigger part of the cast. I got slimed was his line. That's right. So yeah, and Bill Murray somehow like on the day of the shooting that ended up being his line and that ended up rewriting a huge chunk of the scripts. So originally Ernie Hudson they said appeared in page twenty eight of the script and in reality doesn't appear until page sixty five yeah. of the script. Yep. So his role got pushed back, but it also launched him. Oh, I mean, big that, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. But it's just amazing to see how little things like that can have such a big impact. It's that butterfly effect in a way. Like the little tiny detail, well, wait a minute. Now that we've put that detail in, we've got to do all this other stuff, and yeah. it can have a big, big impact. But yeah. the, here, here's how I'm going to correlate this all to life, right? Here's your uplifting message of the day. Because the rest of the show ain't going to be. Yeah. The common theme amongst all those movies are it took the right person at the right time and the right connection and the right relationship to change the course of something or to get something done. And that is true in life. A lot of people out there are like, my life sucks, or I'm never going to be anything, or whatever. And I would tell people, you're one relationship away Completely agree from changing you your life. Completely agree. One, right? Yep. Ross is going to be a bajillionaire because he met <laughs> Stop. me. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, right. that, you know, if Ross, if Ross, it, it, you would say this, Ross. Holding on to Bensie's coattails so, right now, man. So you can, you can make, like, if you, if you took our relationship and went backwards with it and said, how many different things had to happen for us to meet, Right. I had to decide to start a real estate company. I had to decide to advertise. I had to decide to advertise do with it, my friend, do another right. podcast right. that you happen to be on at some point or whatever. Yep. You don't sell real estate here today. I had to be right? under. I had to be under a contract that wouldn't allow me to be paid. Yeah. To do stuff because that was that was kind of what started this. You wanted to. Yeah. You you wanted to put money in my pocket to have you help to help you out with some stuff, and my boss is at at iHeart said, no, yeah. that's not allowed. And so, so we found the workaround. So now let me bring in Tony Robbins, right? Yeah. So we've talked about this long time ago on the show. Tony Robbins says in his documentary, which is also on Netflix called, I'm not your guru. Fantastic. You need to watch that. If you haven't seen it, people, yeah, really if good. you need a boost in life, go watch that one. Be, but, brace yourself. Cause he's a motherfucker. He is. But yeah. in that documentary, he says, if we could only realize that life is working for us, yeah. it'll be a game changer. Stuff like what we're talking about is life was working for you in this instance, right? The pieces were being put together in your puzzle to ultimately have a finished puzzle, right? Which led you to whatever. And so often we're like, life, life isn't fair. Life's against me. I can't catch a break. You just got to keep going, man. You're only a piece away from getting it all figured out. And your optimism, Mark, is it's valid and it's contagious. But I, I also know f that a lot of people hear that and they don't, it's not, it's not simply that easy to just change it, right? And to say, here's something that you have in spades. You've always had it. And it goes to another documentary that's really important. It's called The Secret. It was actually a real important book yep. Oprah sent out. Basically, the secret to success is believing in yourself, believing in it. You have, you have always had this belief. You've talked to me a lot off the, our podcast the last couple weeks about um, an, an attitude of abundance that it... it Abundance somebody, versus scarcity. Right, and somebody can look at your life, Mark, and hear you say this stuff and watch the secret, which is essentially believe in yourself and believe that good things are going to happen to you, and they will. Somebody can sit back and look at you and go, it's easy for you to believe because it's all come to fruition. 
And my rebuttal to that would be, I believed it when I had nothing. And that's the thing, Mark. That That's the part of it. I don't like, come from a squat. You, you, you know, fin- to, financially speaking, yeah. I don't come from, from anything. Yeah, mom and right? dad didn't help you buy your brokerage here like you. This no. Is, this is This is Mark. not a Donald Trump story, right. you know? So, so that's the thing. Like, it's easy when you watch a Tony Robbins. It really is. It's easy to look at it and dismiss it and go, well, of course. Because he's super wealthy. Yeah, of course this jackass thinks the world is working for him because it is. The guy yeah. just lives off the interest of his bank account. Yeah. I'm out here slaving my way through the day, man. What the heck? And then you go back to his upbringing. It, that's the thing, Mark. It, Physically beaten badly by his it, parents, abandoned, all of that. The secret really is, like, believing in it and putting it in the universe and saying, man, I this is, this is what I view success as being. And we've talked about this in big stuff with like East High School and, and public schools. One of the pitfalls of public school is what is the range of success? What's the threshold for success? Now, growing up in a pretty affluent part of, of, of the East Side in Pleasant Hill, we had guys in our neighborhood. My dad owned a hardware store and was a contractor, did a construction company. My buddy's dad was a roofer. My other buddy's dad was a plumber, ran a plumbing company. And that I saw that as success, okay? Now, my son, living over by the Roosevelt area, his, his best friend's dad is a doctor. His other best friend's dad is a professor at Drake. Mom is a professor at Drake. Dad owns an insurance company. It's, and so he will grow up thinking that being a successful adult is a different level than what I, not that those blue collar jobs aren't amazing jobs and that you don't, that's a very noble life to have lived. It's just a different sect. Now you can break that down all the way down to at some public schools in some parts of the country, staying out of jail is the the threshold of success. I've heard that at East high. I've heard people say to me, well, if you're successful at East, if you didn't end up in jail, bullshit. No, not at all, man. That's the set the bar pretty low. That's the that's the bar for not being a, a shithead. Yeah. That's that 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 has nothing to do with success or anything or mm-hmm. happiness. <laughs> and but it it's all about that perspective around you, man. And t- guys like Tony Robbins were able to break that mold completely and go, no, 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 no. This might be what success is around me, but I recognize the community as a whole yeah. and the world as a whole. And this, there are other bigger things out there than this tiny little yeah map dot that I'm a part of. So yeah, it is hard, man. And, and as a guy that's trying to go through that change, because I have kind of lived a life of scarcity, I've never been, uh, yeah, I've, I've just never had that ability to even think outside of what the problems are of today, right? It, it, I've, I'm seeing it work. I'm seeing that when you do focus on those bigger things and you kind of let the world move by as you focus on those bigger goals, then those little problems don't really exist. It's yeah. all small stuff. Well, and so, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a hard one, dude. I'll tell you as a guy who's trying to go through it. And I think I've, I know I've got some pretty good mentors around me. All of you guys live in that life of abundance and you, you scoff at the idea of scarcity, which is important to just, it, it's never a concern. Um, it's tough to get to that point. And it's really hard the first time that you hear something like that to accept it because you you think that you've got a good attitude on life. Yeah. Everybody does. Everybody thinks, I, I know I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I'm pretty positive. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm not a millionaire and I don't have a, a job that I love, but damn it, I got a wife that loves me and I got good kids or yep. whatever it is. I've got these things that are good for me. Yep. So I'm okay with these things that aren't good for me. 
Well, uh, it's a, it's a tough thing to break. It it is, and in this industry too, especially when you're starting out, and you're still technically starting out. Johnny here Absolutely. behind me is starting out, so you can't compare everybody equally in our industry. I totally get that, but I love the fact that um, I'll give him credit, Nate. I don't know what number he said. Like in November, Nate's supposed to make forty grand. Fifty. Nate's gonna make. Nate will make fifty grand in the month of November. And Nate's twenty five years old, and he's gonna make two hundred thousand dollars over. This the is this, of this is what I tell people, year. and this isn't a pitch. Like and this, this is po- his the third or fourth year in a business. This pod third. This yeah. podcast is not meant to be just a recruiting tool for Charterhouse Real Estate. It's just not. But every once in a while, like I hate the fact that there are many people, including likely many of our listeners, that dread Monday morning that have no passion for what they do. They hate their job. They hate their boss. They wish they could make more money. They hate that their time is restricted. They hate um, the commute to work. They hate so much about a large portion of their life, right? A third, a third of their life, if we're being honest, maybe even more than that, depending upon how many hours they work. Be like having a crappy bed. Okay, and now you look at somebody like a Nate, Okay, so what's Nate's background? Nate went to high school. Nate went into the military. Nate served overseas. Um, he comes back. He meets me at the age of 22 through my assistant, KK. They knew each other. Um, he expressed some interest in it. We met. And I'll be the first to admit I didn't see it. You know, I'm, I didn't look at Nate and go, superstar. Guy's going to figure it out. I look at you that way because of your connections, right? Because you have a radio show. I've told you since day one, Ross, you need to get into real estate right? With Nate, I didn't see it, but I still hired him, right? Because I believe in giving people an opportunity and a chance. So Nate is now 25 years old. He's single. Um, Nate will make at least $150,000 this year, his third year in real estate. So when I'm pitching people, now keep in mind, how much money do I make off of Nate? 5,000 bucks. That's what I make. That's what I make off of you. That's what I make off of anybody that works here. This isn't a situation of Mark only pitches it because Mark gets rich off of it. I still sell real estate, right? 5,000 bucks. So you look at somebody like Nate that made the decision to try something, got good at it, enjoys what he does, um, has plenty of time freedom. He's on his way to the Ozarks right now. Did he have to ask permission to go? No, he just goes. On his way to the Ozarks where he's looking to buy a lake house at 25. Yeah. So guys, when I say that this career can be life-changing, I absolutely mean it. Now, I'm not saying everybody should sell real estate because some people are just flat out bad at it. You have to have the ability to go a good six months without making any meaningful income. Hopefully, you're faster than that, but that's just the truth of it. A lot of people can't afford to do that. Um, But if you're the type that says, you know what? I need to take a leap. I need to make a change. I want to make six figures. If that's a goal of yours, um, I want to actually help people do something, then this job fits all of that, all of it. So people are too dismissive of what we do, I think. Like, oh, you're just a car salesman or whatever. We're way better than car salesmen. You know why? Because we don't have to be on the lot every single weekend trying to sell cars. We don't have to whatever, right? It's just a different thing. Bensies, who's sitting behind me, he's a super achiever. He <coughs> has all those same flexibilities and freedoms. You know what I mean? He's, and he has a family. I'm jealous of that, man. I'm jealous because I've I'm in a lot more close. I'm a lot more closely related to Ben's situation than Nate's. Yeah, uh, and I I see that as awesome and successful. I mean, Ben's he doesn't he's not here for forty five fifty hours a week. He's working his ass off when he's here. 
and he's making good money, but yeah. he's also out fishing, and he's also out coaching his kids baseball and football teams and softball. And I think you, the point is you can do this job and you can have a life and make good money at the same time, which is a rare combination. That's hard to find. So again... I did see something the other day, Mark, that I thought was, and we haven't even talked about this really in the office. Um, a fellow realtor here in Des Moines, in the, in the central Iowa area, posted a video about the scarcity of listings, about yes. how there are, there are like 3,000 listed agents, licensed agents in the central Iowa area. It's and, probably true. And right now, within a 60-mile radius of Des Moines, there is something like 2,500 houses for sale. Yeah, I, I can't verify the numbers, but, but yeah, no, but I, I don't think likely this, true. This guy doesn't seem like a liar. Likely true. Yeah, and it, it it wasn't something that he was. I mean, it's not something he would lie about yeah. because it made it look like the business was really tough right now. Yeah, and I but I started to just kind of do some quick math in my head on that. You know, of three thousand agents and twenty five hundred listings. Obviously, that's less, less than, than a listing per person. Correct. And we're we're doing pretty well around here. Like we've got. Nate's got a couple listings on the board right now. Bensie's sitting on like yeah. a half dozen listings. I'm a new, I'm a new agent. I've got two. Well, one, one of the right reasons now. that that would be the case, Ross, and we talked about this many times, is yes, there's a lot of agents and yes, there's a lot of firms, but how many of them have actual differentiating factors? Right. Right. Ours is that we save sellers thousands of dollars right. in, in listing commissions. So are we more likely to succeed, especially as times maybe get more problematic as people lose jobs because of a pandemic, because of divorces, because of all those things and they're forced to sell. At that point, are they wanting to spend more money on commission or less? Well, we, we charge less. So we're uniquely positioned in that space to be able to sustain tougher times, bad times, because people obviously want to save money there. So this, uh, that's a perfect segue into what our, our big conversation was going to be today. About uh, the, yeah, the pandemic and, what, and what's going on specifically for businesses. Yeah, and I mean, we can mention the Pi 5 guys, right? They, yeah, they- so I posted a uh, Facebook post last night. I happened to see a video on, uh, from the owner, owner or franchiser or whatever they happen to be from, from Pi 5. So Pi 5 is a pizza place here in Ankeny. And the gist of the video was that they are not doing well. Um, traffic is way, way down from what it's been. And this is not a promotion of Pi 5. This is just a random video that I saw. But so I wrote about that. And then I also wrote about my experience at the Ankeny movie theater the other day. Um, it's not just a movie theater. They got bowling alley. They got tag. They've got food, right? It was, it was designed to be an all-encompassing entertainment. Center. I went in there on third. It would have been a Thursday of last week, I think. Uh, and I was there from roughly... 5.30 to 7, 6 to 7, you know, at dinner time. But I'm there, and we walk in, and you walk into the theater of the lobby, um, of, or the lobby of the theater, and that's completely empty, not a soul. I look over to where the dinner section is, the bar slash dinner section, nobody, zero people. We go bowl, I think there's maybe 24 lanes, something like that. They got a lot of bowling lanes. Um, when we showed up, we were the only ones. And while we were there, another family came and then uh, a group of friends came. So three of the 24 lanes had action on them. And then after we bowled, we went into the arcade, which is a pretty nice arcade for kids. Nobody. Literally the only people in there. Okay. So this is a massive building. Okay. And while we were in it, we saw probably 15 humans. And really, Mark, the, the, for your, the, the whole time. Okay. For your family of five, what did you guys drop in there? 
Uh, I mean, we'd probably drop a hundred bucks yeah, for bowling and, is, and food and, which, and arcade, which isn't enough to to keep the lights on in the arcade. Not the time you were not there. even close. So, so my post was about this. I said, okay, here's Pi Five talking about what's going on. Yep. Here is my own experience at the theater, and I stressed the point that these places are open. Okay, they're open. You are welcome to wear a mask if you want to wear a mask. Um, and in fact, we did. We wore masks for the people that say I don't wear a mask. We wore masks, okay? <laughs> we, we went in and wore a mask. And the, the larger point is this, guys. If we don't support these businesses, and darn soon, they are gone. They right. are gone. Right now. You know, they are yeah. failing now, and they will be gone, and the pandemic will end, and we're going to say, okay, we have nothing to do because they all went out. So the question I posed to you, Ross, which you said you have an answer I don't like yeah, or I won't get, like is. Nobody's going to like it what are people doing? Are, are people literally still freaked out and scared to, to go? Do they not want to spend the money? Are they not aware that the businesses are actually open again, but we, we've got some problems coming yeah. if we don't support local businesses. And this is not just anchoring. This is all of the Metro that I'm talking about. It's all about. over the United States, Mark. It's every, it's every town in every state all over the country, man. It's so, everywhere. so what, what is your take on this? Uh, first of all, you've hit on a couple of this, of the, ingredients there all of those things are true people forget that bars are open again people are afraid to go out people just don't want to waste don't want to spend the money on it but all of it i think the the bigger theme of it is scarier and that is that we same thing happening with sports uh viewership right now we're creatures of habit we are notoriously creatures of habit where there's even little tricks that, that we all fall for. If you've ever been on a diet or you've ever started a workout regime at a gym, you're, you've heard the same sorts of phrases, which is stick to it for a couple weeks. Yeah. Because those people- 21 days to make a habit. That's right it. That, Mark, you've got it right there. That, yep. The science of it is if you just convince a human being to do something for three weeks, they're going to do it forever. They're going to do it for a real long time until something disrupts that rhythm again. Sure. And they have to kick into a new three-week yeah. pattern. Dude, we've been in a seven-month pattern where people have been not going out to eat. They've been eating at home. They've not been watching sports. They've been finding other things to do with their time, reading books, playing board games, going on walks, getting outside. Fishing licenses have, been, have exploded from the DNR. A lot more people getting out and doing stuff. So we spent seven months changing those habits. We were a family that went out to eat a couple of times a week. We were always going and supporting Bruno's businesses with Full Court Press because yeah. he's my buddy and I want to make sure that they're around and alive yeah. and successful. We've, we've even dropped off that, knowing that my friend is struggling, knowing that the Pi 5 guys are struggling. I can sit here and go, man, I hope that doesn't happen. God, I hope the Pi 5 guys survive. I'm not calling and ordering a pizza because it's just not part of the routine anymore. And that... and. In a way, man, it makes me think back to like my grandparents who survived through the depression and then were raised in this era of scarcity in the 30s and 40s and how things, things built slowly then after that, right? In the 50s and 60s and 70s, all these American dreams started to become realized. Man, that was 50 years after those, those rhythms had been reset yeah. from the roaring 20s, the depression smacks everybody in the face and now all of a sudden you're keeping your aluminum cans in case you've got to store milk later mm -hmm. on like and 
And my grandparents died with those rhythms in their life still. They were still conservationists. And, you know, if you got a glass jar that mayonnaise came in, damn it, you wash that glass jar yeah. out because that thing seals good. Yeah, it's a resource. Right. And when was the last time you guys did that? Dude, I, I throw away my pop can. I, <laughs> I throw mean, away, yeah, we throw away everything. And I even yeah. think to myself, when I get one of those $7 Frappuccino things yeah. that's in the glass bottle, I think to myself, you know, this thing seals really good. This would be a great bottle to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the garbage before I can finish the thought, man. Yeah. And so all of those things are going to slowly change and dial backwards. And we're going that backwards direction right now, man. I, I, you're right. Right now is the time. If you want to save these places... It can't be November, December. It, I put a thing on Facebook the other day that I saw that I think is a great idea, and my wife and I are going to try to do it. And it is just to simply support as many local businesses as possible during the holiday season. Rather than buy things from Amazon or Walmart or Target, let's try to find a local business and buy a gift certificate and give that to somebody. Let's get them dinner, to a, a, a night out somewhere. Yeah. Pi Five would be a great place. I mean, I know we keep mentioning, I don't know those dudes at all, and I'm, it's, yeah. This is just an effort to say, man, here's a local business that's done great well, stuff. Well, and you, you know, I have no problem with a business owner doing this, going on to social media and just being honest and saying, listen, guys, we're struggling. Yes. You and know? Th th Mark, there's two sides of this also, man. Like, the, the one is, if the business just sucked, I'd have no sympathy for them. If, yeah. it was just a, if it was just a crappy business that was run poorly and they didn't offer a great product and people didn't want it, that's one thing. The I think of Teddy Holly, guy who owns a bar downtown. He mm -hmm. owns, um, uh, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name of the Beer Can Alley. Okay. Here's a kid that, a lot like you, Mark, went out, invested his own money in his own place, got a thing started. Bruno is one of my best friends. A guy who started from nothing, man, who was sweeping floors, and now all of a sudden is a business owner because he invested and he kept reinvesting in the community. He's not sitting on a bajillion dollars in the bank, man. Yeah. You don't have 17 leases around Des Moines. And f you're and, flush. And, and flush with cash. It's yeah. become it a cash flow. It depends your month to month. Yes. I mean, you just are in those businesses. And under no control of their own, that got taken from them. Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't set prices wrong. They didn't have a bad business practice. They did everything right. And now that's all being stripped from them. Yeah. And that, that breaks my heart. And you're right, Mark, to see the long-term effects of this. As those things go away, the quality of life in your community slowly gets chipped away at. You might not think that having a locally owned pizzeria adds to your quality of life because you never get locally owned pizza. It absolutely does. And the ripple effects of that are huge. And they, they go for hundreds of miles away from your own community. Mm -hmm. And this might be a small one. But it's a it's a rock out of the water, and it and it's less effective. Well, if you and if you see one business ago, they're struggling. They're not the only one. It, I mean, there's point. there's a lot of people in the same boat. You got to drive around town and look at vacancies in, in, in buildings, and those are only going to increase. Um, I was going to ask you a question uh, because you mentioned Bruno, and this is just more a curiosity than anything else. If you happen to know the answer to this. During this, Bruno opens a new restaurant. Yeah. Do you know why he, he did that? He'd been planning on it for, I mean, this, it was a pre-COVID train that had been set in motion, yeah. you know? Um, he refurbished. Cri cri uh, it used to called? Be called, it, it's called Lucky Horse. Lucky Horse. It used to yep. be Crazy Horse Guitars and Crazy Horse Music Shop 
uh, okay. in, in the Drake neighborhood. Can't so do it, that anymore. Offensive. Well, it, it was funny because they initially were going to call it Crazy Horse. They had all of the... Someone objected. Uh, it was, and it wasn't even somebody from outside, Mark, because initially I thought that maybe they got a phone call that yeah. said cease and desist. It was actually somebody within their own ownership group that said, hey, this might be a hurdle down the road that we don't want to deal with. Yeah. Let's just change it to Lucky Horse and then we're good yeah. to go. Yep. Um, wonderful place, dude. It is a sweet restaurant it's got an awesome vibe he's got great stuff in there the burgers are fantastic there's frozen old-fashioned drinks which are i mean uh we should probably go to lunch there today i would love that i haven't been it's a fantastic place (laughs) yeah and every time i go in there there's three other people in there yeah it's just like that what you're talking about with the bowling alley man and i've talked to bruno about that uh you know how how long can that last you open the doors for a place which took a long i mean all the, imagine what he went. Keep through. in mind, by the way, your first casualties in a situation like at this Pi Five at Bruno's restaurants or whatever, your first casualties are not the rich business owner, right? That's what we think about. Oh, they opened a business, they got plenty of money, which, by the way, is is absolutely not true right. in the case of most independent business owners. They might have some money to keep it going, but most aren't independently wealthy. Okay, but your first casualty are your servers. Yep, your bartenders. Yep. The people that really need that paycheck, right? They're the first ones to get let go, and now they're jobless, yeah. okay? So if you're thinking about these businesses saying, oh, screw them, they've got money, you're thinking about it the wrong way. It's the people. If, before Charterhouse closes, KK's getting fired, okay? okay we're not in trouble. <laughs> I want to paint that picture, okay? <laughs> Nobody's getting fired, but it's not me that's going to be the first one to go, and that's just the nature of a business, right? It's going to be someone else that needs that paycheck and needs that job. And that person, it, it, yeah, there's a lot. You know all this stuff too, Mark. That server doesn't lose their job so that the owner can keep making money. The owner's already taken it in the shorts. The, that, the very first thing that happens is the owner starts to not make as much money and starts to lose or money. they're behind on their payments. And, they're behind, or, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, now we've got to cut some stuff. Yeah. And, and, the, and then those are the first things that are cut. Absolutely, man. And then the, the effects that those have with a person that can't pay their rent. Now you've got a tenant that's not that's short on their bills going yeah. forward. It's in it. Bot- bottom line is snowballs. all of this falls apart. All, and I talk, I'm talking in an economy. Mm-hmm. Okay. All of this falls apart. If you don't go out and spend money. Yep. Period. Okay. This, we're going to stay home and, and, and wait till this is over. Man, the effects of that, you could say, and, and we're not, I don't want to get in the debate about deaths are more important than this. I'm just saying it's catastrophic. The, 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 and the idea, apply what I was saying earlier, man, are, we're creatures of habit. The idea that people are going to say, well, once this is over, I'm going to go back to normal. No, you're not. They might not. You're, you're not. You're, I mean, science says you're not going to. You are a creature of habit. And you are going to remain, if you have stayed in your house for the last nine months, it's not like all of a sudden the birds are going to start chirping and the color flies back in like it's Wizard of Oz and, and you're, you're going to welcome yourself back into the world. You might think that's what's yeah. going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. You are going to slowly acclimate yourself back into society. Well, one of the things you might notice is, man, we really liked having that extra money in our bank account. Yeah, absolutely. Which is not a problem or, in and of itself. I'm a better right? cook than I thought I ever was. Or I actually like spending time with my kids and playing games. And I like fishing. I like camping. Dude, the, the NBA Finals are on right now with LeBron James, one of the most fascinating and popular athletes to ever walk the earth. And it's really kind of under the radar. Nobody's watching, dude. Yeah. Why? And there's because Well, there's a, we, separ- there's a separate argument, and I think there's a little bit of truth from all sides of this thing. Right. I think one is 
you got other sports going on, right? right? It's it's not in its natural time spot, right? So you we're got Major League Baseball and football. We're not used to, not used to watching football, basketball this time, right? Right, that's a right. big part of it, okay? Uh, people just aren't in the, the mood for sports or, or have gotten out of that habit, yeah. right? Big part of it. The the Black Lives Matter names on the jerseys. Um, the you can't politica- get, you, you politicalization. Can't, you can't of, get through a broadcast without being reminded about certain characters and all of this stuff. A big part of it. It, it isn't just one thing. Yeah. I don't think that at all. I think there's a lot of contributing factors Completely to it. Completely agree. Always but, is. But I also think that you're 100% right. It's under the radar, big time, for an NBA Finals. And people are like, well, you know, it's because there's no crowds. It, that would in, it, that, it's still that basketball should, at the top level of basketball. Right, right. I, I, I don't think people are like, well, if this was, uh, you know, if this was be played like at the uh, Staples Center, I'm 100% tuned in. But because it's not, Mark, then I'm not watching. I'm Mark, not buying you're, it. you're talking about L.A. versus Miami. This, yeah. is, this is tailor-made for, for television ratings. Two huge markets. Cross-country battle. You've got the, the young and upcoming Miami Heat who are spitfires going against the old stalwarts of AD and, 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 and LeBron yeah. James. Like, this thing was made to be a ratings bonanza. Yeah, there's a lot of ingredients in the soup. The timing of it's a big one. The politicalization of sports has obviously turned off more people than I thought it was. That was something Clay Travis is pinning it solely on that. He's saying the, the fact that they have been so outward with their politics is why people aren't watching. Yeah. I don't think and, that. And I, and I disagree with that as well. I don't think that I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's part. a factor. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the whole thing. So ultimately the question is here, how do we, how do we change course? And, and frankly, there's only one way to do it. Get your butt off the couch tonight and go out and get some dinner. Mark, it's the same thing. Even if you don't want to be there, how do you change pick it up? How do you change your life? Buy a gift card, pick it up. Get Grubhub. Yeah. Like, there's so many different options on how to support a business without, if you're, if you personally fear going into a space and spending money, there's other ways to do it. Yeah. Call the business and say, you know what? I don't want to come in right now because of everything that's going on. But man, can you send me a $50 gift card? Can you, can you mail me a gift card and I'll give you my credit yeah. card number? You, you can do other things to help support businesses other than actually physically go there Mark, if that's your problem. Do you ever ask business owners which payment method they prefer? Uh, I don't, but I'm going to make the natural assumption that they prefer cash because credit cards typically cost two and a half to three percent to the uh, business. And I think I'm, I don't want to speak out of turn, but there's one very popular brand of credit card that charges even a higher percentage of. Uh, that might be true. Okay, so I, and I only say that because these are things <laughs> that I do ask people from time to time. If I happen to have a lot of cash and my card with me, I will say, hey, wait a minute. If, these are the two options that I'm sitting on right now. Is one of these preferable to you? Cash. Cash is usually the, not always. Sometimes people say, actually, man, the, the card thing, you know, I get this amazing deal through Visa or whatever. Yeah. And that actually helps me. But I, even those pennies, man, they're starting to add up and they're starting to matter. And the number of business owners that have taken the time then to say, dude, thank you for asking about that. Like, this stuff matters right now, man. Nine months ago, I wouldn't have given a crap about this yeah. penny and a half. Now this stuff's adding up, man. Mm-hmm. And, and that penny and a half, it's not going to be life-changing, but it helps. Thanks for thinking of it. So even little things like that, dude. And Mark, it goes back to the conversation about changing your life. How do you do it? One step at a time. How do you yeah. eat the elephant? Yeah. One bite at a time, man. You, you, and this is what's crazy. There's so many problems in the world where we say, 
uh, you know, pollution. How am I supposed to, to change pollution? How am I supposed to change global warming if that's your thing? You know, the fact that I throw my, my bottle in the trash versus out on the ground is a difference, but is it going to change the problem? No, it's not. Okay. If we're being real about it, no, that's not going to make a dent in the ozone war. And, however, and I argue, yes, it does. Okay. So, yeah. however, however, in this particular instance, when we're talking about local businesses, can you make an impact? 100%. And you can do it tonight. You gave me advice, Mark, when I first started that has, I, you don't even know it, that I've used this every single day. Um, and it's simple. It's very simple. Do something to work towards your goal every day, even if it's small, even if it's tiny. Now, for on my very personal level, it was tell people that you're in real estate. Tell people that you're a realtor. Every day, do something so that when you lay your head down against your pillow at night, you've got this thing to say, okay, today I had a Facebook post. Yeah. Something that simple. Today, when I was at the mechanic, I reminded him that I'm a that I'm a realtor. Because it's always better than nothing. Right. Which and is the now, alternative. And then eventually what happened over time of me doing that one thing every day, putting out a Facebook post, putting something on Twitter, saying something on my radio show, telling a family member or friend that already knew, but I reminded them that I was doing this thing. Eventually, what when I was laying my head at, down at night, it was, all right, did I get that subject to sale addendum printed out the right way? Is, is that purchase agreement... Was it received? Where are we at with the inspections? Yeah. And now it's now I'm laying down and I'm seeing I'm, I'm, it's more productive stuff yeah. every day. And that's exactly what will happen. If tonight you go to lay down and you go, you know what? I did $10 from my local Hy-Vee. I, I bought a $15 gift certificate to El Bait Shop for my husband or my, my buddy that drinks yeah. beer. Man, that little thing at night, you'll lay down and you go, hey, I helped today. Yeah. I helped make my community a stronger place. You you might even have that voice in your head that goes, liar, you're <laughs> full of shit. You didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You got to beat that voice down with the facts. And well, go, you got uh, to beat it down, but you also have to remember that, and we talked about, like, you're talking about um, having this abundance mentality and all of that. But at the end of the day, um, every day is a battle. And it, I'll tell you how it's a battle. So we said life's working for you, right? I believe that. You have to embrace that. You have to believe it. A positive mindset is so freaking important in life about anything, right? Turning any negative you can, like the phrase that rejection is God's protection. Okay, I got told no. I got told no. I got told no. Okay, what did the no save you from? What terrible job did you not just get that you would have realized was terrible in six months and you didn't get it, right? So that any anything, okay, they, they said no. They don't want to list with me. Being able to spin that and say, okay, that's a good thing. How is it a good thing, right? That's tough for people to do. But ultimately, the thing you got to remember is every day is a battle, but it's a battle with yourself. It's a battle with yourself. We get in our way so much on so many different things, Ross. We procrastinate. We tell ourselves we can't do things. We say, I'm going to sit on the couch and not do anything versus 10 minutes where I'm going to help increase my own business, whatever the case is. It's not like we think we're battling the world. We think we're battling liberals and conservatives and, and whatever. And like the problems are all out there. Most of the problems are interior. They're, yep. they're, they're in yourself, right? You're stopping yourself. You're talking yourself out of taking risks. You're, you're convincing yourself you're not good enough to do something. You're choosing laziness instead of work ethic. It's with yourself, okay? So when you lay your head down at night, Ross, you can say, did I kick my own ass today? Yeah. That's ultimately who the battle is right. with. Right. What's the line? Uh, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're, you're right. right. 
Yeah. The, in the movie Boss Baby, there's a great line from Alec Baldwin who plays the boss, who plays the baby. And he says, if you aim for failure, you'll always hit your goal. Yep. Yep. And I, I, that's, that's true. If, man, I'm a guy that has a, a, not as much self-doubt as I probably, as some people I'm realizing. But I do have a lot of it. I lay down at night and I, I rethink conversations I had and things I said 20 years ago. I beat myself up for things that can't ever be changed. Yeah. And I know a lot of people do that. I don't have that part of my brain. That I know you don't. My, my brother doesn't have that. And I've learned that not everybody has that part of their brain, yeah. right? And so that's important to me also to know that that's something I'm choosing to do. That's something that when I lay down at night and, and doing something productive every day in real estate has helped me with that. Because then when you lay yeah. down and you go, oh my God, you said what in 1992? You go, stop it. Today, what did you do to be better? Today, the per- what the did perfect you line for that great movie, I love the movie, is The Devil's Advocate starring Al Pacino. And he's having a conversation about guilt. And now you can substitute guilt for anything that you've thinking about in your past. But a lot of times it's guilt, right? I feel guilty I said that. I feel guilty I did that, etc. And then in that, he tells, uh, he tells Keanu Reeves, the other character, he says, guilt is like a bag of bricks. All you have to do is set it down. That's it, baby. That's it. That's a good movie. Get, Devil's Advocate get a good one. over it, okay? You're human. You make mistakes. You say things you shouldn't have said. You apologize for it. You move on, and then you don't address it again, and you leave it in the dust, in the rearview mirror where it belongs, and you move forward. Now, I agree. Not everybody is blessed to be able to do that like I can. I just don't have a problem with that. I'm like, <laughs> It was in the yeah, past. I, I, I screwed up. It, it's in the past. I don't lay awake at night thinking about it. And like, it, it, it's pointless to do it. And as soon as you embrace the pointless parts of life as pointless, you'll focus on the things you can control and be better from those things and move forward. This is like a goddamn Tony Robbins podcast today. <laughs> Put it down, Ross. Bag of bricks. Love That's it. it. That's it, man. I love it. Bensi wanted us to do a half hour. No, I actually want us to do 15 minutes Shit. today because he wants to go, you to go buy fish lures. He, we, we actually he, got through 56 minutes. We found antique. Uh, I found some antique fish lures, and I think they're right up Bensi's alley. So he's ready to go right now. Are we yeah. going to the Lucky Horse? Are you going go to Lu- Let's go to Lucky Horse. I'm All right. Down. Hey, by the way, to recap this, get out there tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Sunday night, whatever. Go support a local business. It's not that tough to do it. And if you don't want to leave your house, uh, call them. Give them your credit card number over the phone. Buy a gift card. Everybody can contribute, and you should, or they're going to die. We'll see you next week. Another episode of Jump the Shark is in the books. Ross and I hope you had fun with us, and we made your week a little better. If you love the show, you can help the show. Please subscribe to us wherever it is you listen to your podcast. You can also show some love by telling others about Charterhouse Real Estate. We have made it easy for you to talk about us by charging sellers a lot less commission. They will thank you for giving them our name. We truly appreciate your support, and we will talk to you next week.